Today on Stick to Football, it's uh, 2020, barely, but we're going to talk 2021. We're going to draft our top five prospects for 2021 because we're crazy. We're going to have some fun. We have Kenny Willickus coming on the show, the pride of Michigan State. We're going to talk to him about uh, getting a Senior Bowl invite. If you are watching on YouTube, <laughs> and I hope you are, I'm in a stick to football hat trying to promote the, the new hats that we have. We're going to be giving them away at the Senior Bowl and the Combine, so come see us there. Connor's in like a tie-dye shirt that does, I mean, his arms are going to explode. And my man, Mello, who if you don't know, Mello is uh, Mr. Mello by day. He's a teacher. I just want you to explain your outfit. So they have theme weeks. It's homecoming week yeah. uh, at my school. And today was where your favorite sports team. So I wore the Mahomes jersey. But also, I come straight from school to the podcast, and I did not bring a shirt to change into. So I don't usually rock a jersey um, unless I'm tailgating. But today, special occasion. Connor's doing it, too. Right there. (laughs) Connor's got Mahomes over his shoulder. This is a Chiefs podcast today, apparently, which I know the people want. But we, we actually have, guys. A ton of things happened. I thought that we would like, oh, the natty's over. We like take a break, breathe a little bit, and then here's where. Let's start at the national championship game. Let's just go back after the game. I I'm excited, and I, like LSU is like an adopted team for us, and I was excited for Joe Burrow and Ed Orgeron and everybody, and so was Odell Beckham. He actually went there. So my man. Gives out literal $100 handshakes, which you know we do on the show, to congratulate good players. That's right. The problem is, some of these guys still had, at the time, eligibility. And ESPN and everyone else in the world with a camera is captures Odell handing out hundies, which uh, at first LSU was like, nah, they're fake. And then they were like, yeah, we're looking into it. Well, on Thursday, a, a police officer... <laughs> has pressed charges against Odell for slapping him on the ass in the locker room after the game. You check your BR app, there's video of it. So a lot's going wrong here for Odell this week. I don't like I just think you got to be a little bit smarter than some of these things. I I mean, I, Odell's harmless I think in these situations. He's just trying to have some fun. Uh, the cop was in there like making sure guys weren't drinking and telling people to put cigars out. I do think he's the literal fun police, guys, but this is the world we live in. It's his job. If it happens on camera, it's going to be a big deal. Yeah, and it, it sounds like he's going to get charged with simple battery. And much like uh, probably a lot of our listeners, I was like, what the hell does that mean? So I went right to our guy, Pat Chamberlain, who by day is uh, Patrick Chamberlain Esquire. It sounds like this is just going to be like a $1,000 fine at most. He could do some jail time. But it's going to be a slap on the wrist. It sounds bad because uh, all the media outlets are putting it out there that there's a warrant out for OBJ's arrest. It's not going to be a big deal. Um, talking with Pat, I don't even think that this thing goes through. Just pay a fine. Pay a fine at most yeah. if it doesn't get dismissed. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this will be a, a lingering issue. Now, you know, I wouldn't right. recommend no, doing don't do it. What don't OBJ slap did. That's the thing, like, there. I see so many people taking sides here, like, drawing a line in the sand and saying, like, of course he deserved this. Like, he hit a cop, and there's people are, that are just like, let him have fun. And it's like, well, you know, yeah, it's great to have fun. The cop was doing his job. It's stupid that they were they were giving the kids such a hard time. It's ridiculous, but I'm sure he had orders to go do that. And you definitely shouldn't just touch a cop. Just don't touch him. Just do whatever you want. Dance, yell. I, I don't care. It's just like everyone loses here, but this really won't be that big of a deal when all is said and done. I'm, That's the I'm most setting myself thing. up to matter. so many OK Boomer comments here, but I'm more bothered by what felt like Odell trying to steal the spotlight from these kids who just won a national championship game. Like I get being excited and wanting to be on the field, but like Leonard Fournette wasn't out there. Jamal Charles wasn't out or Jamal Charles. <laughs> Jamal Adams wasn't out there. You know, like all the like LSU greats, they weren't out there. Where's Glenn Dorsey? Like he wasn't out there, you know? So it's like, that's more like, and I get it. I'm an old man. But for me, it was like, come on, Odell. Like I'm okay with him being out there and celebrating. I didn't get the vibe of, oh, let's make it all about me. I mean, he's out there giving the guys $100 bills or, or more doing the $100 handshake. So I don't have a problem with it, but you do have to be smarter because you're going to get your university in a lot of trouble now. I don't even if those guys don't have eligibility anymore, they did when they were taking the hundred dollars. So will the players get in trouble? Nope, right. not at all. Will LSU get in trouble? You bet your ass they're going to. Something's going to happen with it. They're going to have to report it. They already did uh, to the NCA, to the SEC. But you can't do it. It's an impermissible uh, gift. You can't be handing out money. 
they're going to get in trouble. So OBJ has got to be thinking about that. There's a kid uh, who who grew up in the town that I lived in for a long time, and he's playing D2 football or was. And I remember once saying, like, yeah, if you want like, if you want to come, I'll buy you lunch, and we can talk about football. And he's like, you actually can't buy me lunch. Something as simple as me buying a kid lunch because of my job, he was worried would be against NCAA rules. Like that. Like I've known this guy since he was 12 years old, and I can't buy him lunch. So it's NCAA. We call them NCAA assholes for a reason, and hopefully they're not listening. So that happened. <laughs> but most importantly, uh, today as you're listening to this is the deadline for players to enter the 2020 NFL draft. There's a three-day window for players to change their mind. We've actually already seen one person do that. Kylan Hill changed his mind. He's going back to Mississippi State after declaring back in, in December. Another player going back to college, and this is a huge one, Najee Harris. And I believe, Connor, that we talked about this on the Wednesday show, that I've been hearing that he was really having a hard time with this decision. Um, and now he has decided to go back to Alabama. So Nick Saban has done some good recruiting internally. He gets Devonta Smith back, and he gets Najee Harris back, as well as Alex Leatherwood. So the the core group for Alabama next year, you get your left tackle, your running back, and your wide receiver coming back. Not bad. Oh, and Dylan Moses, Andrew Middle linebacker. No, no, not bad at all. I mean, I look at this. I, I, Najee had been leaning this way for a long time. It's really not surprising. I think... He would have been a, a top 50 pick, I believe, when all is said and done. So it doesn't mean the decision was an easy one. But it, it feels like he was you know, easily convinced to come back to school for a year. They have a good core there still at Alabama. So when you look at Leatherwood coming back, Smith coming back, and Najee coming back, those are three important pieces of an offense. And this is an Alabama team that is hungry. I, I mean, let's be real. They're looking at it and, and very disappointed in this season where – the the same energy we saw this exodus from LSU where it was like okay one national title some of the guys said there's no better way to go out I'm leaving school now and going to the NFL Alabama they haven't had that feeling this year so there's definitely an emptiness that they want to fulfill and and go back and give it one more running back class for next year it's actually starting to shape out to be probably right uh with Najee Harris I think he's going to lead the pack so far I don't want to get a too far ahead of ourselves here but I like that decision because right now if I'm looking at next year he's the number one back in that class now for this year he would have been like number four number five for me same with kylan hill like if you come out this year you're gonna get lost in a pretty deep running back class a chance to go back uh i guess prove that you can catch the ball with mike leach there as your coach that's gonna be very exciting for them but to come out next year same with chuba hubbard where we don't have a whole lot of proven running backs or at least we didn't until earlier this week so now with those three guys kind of leading the pack there's a lot of hype around their name. Chuba Hubbard rushed for 2,000 yards. And getting your receiver back, bringing back another young quarterback, I, I think that yeah. Oklahoma State is in a great position, as well as, you know, obviously Alabama. Yeah, I mean, they, they are. And I, I think for both those teams, and I mean, this is going to roll right into, both those teams have to feel pretty good about where they stack up in their conference next year. And that's because there has been an exodus at LSU, guys. Would you expect the team wins? You expect some poaching. I've never seen anything like this before. Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator, gone to the Carolina Panthers. Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator, now the head coach at Baylor. They've also lost seven, as of right now, underclassmen, in addition to seniors Joe Burrow and Christian Fulton. So you lose Grant Delpit, Patrick Queen, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Justin Jefferson, Lloyd Cushenberry, Sadiq Charles, and Jacob Phillips. Oh, and we haven't heard yet from Caleb on Chason. So... LSU's depth chart is going to be depleted heavily next year compared to what we saw this year, guys. Uh, and I know they thought that they could lose 10. Uh, Jacoby Stevens announced on, on Wednesday night he's going to go back to school. He's the only one. Like He's the only guy they're keeping. Uh, so we could still hear a couple more guys leaving LSU. But I've seen some exoduses in my day. This one has to take the cake. Uh, it, it's like the old Miami days when they used to do this year after year. They'd have a lot of guys leave. I do think that LSU has a lot to worry about if you're one of their fans. Uh, Jamar Chase coming back is going to be huge. Miles Brennan at quarterback who looks like he's going to take over that job. You're losing a lot on that offensive line, though. You're losing Justin Jefferson. You're losing your running back, and that defense is going to be depleted as well. Um, LSU looking to repeat next year. They're going to have their hands full. I mean, the good thing is for LSU, their 2019 recruiting class was, you know, a top three recruiting class. They had four or five star players. So if you're looking for them to turn over, fill these starting spots, as we saw with Derek Stingley this year, but him being the, more of an outlier, 
that's the good thing for LSU. They're getting top tier yeah. talent in there right now. It's only getting better. And it just means that these underclassmen are just going to have huge roles earlier than expected, which I'm sure a lot of them are very excited for. I think for me, more so than the players guys right now is them losing some big yeah. time. coaches. I, mean, I think, yeah, you lose Joe Brady, you lose Dave Aranda. You can recruit. It's harder to get those coaches. And I think for Ed Orgeron, who is one hell of a recruiter, that's the hard part here. And I know speaking to some people internally at LSU, I mean, it's no secret that you know I talk about it openly on this show. I, I've been asked oftentimes to consult with players. And on some of these guys, I straight up told them, you need to go back to school. Uh, Sadiq Charles, their left tackle, he was suspended for six games this year, guys. And now he's going to the NFL draft. Probably not the best move. I think he's going to be off a lot of teams' boards because of that six-game suspension. It's reportedly rumored to be a failed drug test. Uh, I don't think we're trying to confirm or break any news here. And I also think you have to fail a lot of drug tests at LSU. And I don't want to just talk shit on LSU because Texas is the same way. You got to fail a lot of those before they start handing out suspension. Six games is a, like one. Like that's the old Holton Hill. Ah, you're one game. You're down. And then it was like, okay, four games. Six games is that's six, a big problem. It's a big one. Like it's a big one. You can't pass a test. It's not that you right. failed one. And that is. It's alarming, and so I would say, uh, looking at this from a draft perspective, the guys that I think, I don't want to say anyone made a bad decision because you can test, you can work your way up, but Sadiq Charles, from what I've heard from NFL teams, is a late day three guy, awful lot of boards, and I think Jacob Phillips is the other one who, who came out early as a linebacker. Uh, I think he's probably around four guy who is athletic, he's got a great, you know, looks body beautiful, but instincts aren't really there. I thought if he'd gone back with Michael Divinity graduating with Patrick Queen going to the NFL, it would be Jacob Phillips linebacker room next year. Give him a chance to blossom a little bit. I think now in this, in this class, you know, he's going to get lost a little bit. Yeah, I, I think so too. But uh, when you win the national championship and you're one of the best teams in college football, a lot of these guys are going to go ahead and jump ship, especially when your quarterback's leaving already with Joe Burrow leaving as a senior I think a lot of these guys are trying to strike while the iron's hot. I don't know that your yeah. draft stock is going to get much higher next year. I mean, if you know Derek Stingley, if he could come out, I think he would. If Jamar Chase could, I think he would too. But luckily for college football fans, we get him next year at LSU. We get Derek Stingley playing some receiver next year. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's what the Heisman uh, Vegas is saying. Oh, really? Oh, that's right. The odds. Yeah, the odds that came out. Yeah, so it's going to be exciting. I do want to ask you guys, we don't have to do a deep dive into this because we don't know a whole lot yet, but what are your initial thoughts? I wrote about it so people can check that out in the app. What are your thoughts on Joe Brady at making the jump to offensive coordinator this fast in the NFL, not just in college? I like it. I think that at LSU, I don't know when he was going to get that time to actually be the coordinator. And much like we're seeing with these prospects, strike while the iron's hot. If you're a coach, this offense yeah. was historically great. You had a quarterback throw in the SEC for 60 touchdowns. If Miles Brennan comes in next year and shits the bed, he might not have this opportunity to go to the NFL. So Joe Brady, he's like, what, 30 years old, already gone from, you know, grad assistant to offensive coordinator in the NFL. I think in two years time, this guy could be looking at head coaching jobs. I completely agree. This was a great move for him. Obviously, I'm sure he got a ton of money. I think it was rumored that LSU was willing to more than double his salary, which would have got him near the million dollars per year mark. But listen, David Tepper down there is throwing money around to get the right guys. And I think for the Panthers, it's going to be hard to judge this hire after one year because this is going to be a, a kind of a turnover year for Carolina. We don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be. We don't know exactly what this team is going to look like. So I'm willing to give it some time. But if you're taking a swing for the fences, I love going after a guy like Joe Brady. There I know you you guys love hearing my conspiracy theories on this podcast. Are you ready for this one? Joe Brady, Have Matt Rule, David Tepper, they're building a new facility. I think they tank for Trevor next year. I don't know that. Oh, I I think they should. I don't know yeah. if, they, if they can. I can't see Matt Rule tanking for I anyone. Or even really Dave Tepper either. But what, that is curious, though. What are they going to do at number seven? Do they try to get a quarterback in there this year? Are they happy with Kyle Allen for another year? Maybe they bring back Cam Newton. I think I saw enough Kyle Allen. Well, <laughs> speaking of that, one of the quarterbacks that they could try to make a play for, Tua is going to be healthy by April, according to his agent, which means he'll be able to throw. It's supposed to be about a 40-minute throwing session where like he'll make day. 60 to 80 throws. A pro day, exactly. To me, guys, this is colossal because I think if all things go well from here on out for Tua – 
I think he's going to be the third overall pick no matter what, and it's just a question of if the Lions are going to trade it and who they're going to trade so it to. So my whole scouting notebook Friday morning is about that, uh, who will trade up to number three overall. Here's one thing. I, I just want to play devil's advocate here. This report came from Tua's agent the day after the national championship game. I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate. I like Lee Steinberg. We have a good relationship with them. But doesn't that timing seem a little curious? Like, oh yeah, two will be healthy in April. Like Lee knows what he's doing. I mean, he's he literally wrote the book on how to be right. an he's yeah. Jerry Maguire. Yeah, I'm just exactly. saying like this either they sat on this and released it, that timing was intentional, or they're just this is his job is to keep his player's name in our mouths. And they've done a very good job of it. If it's accurate. And I hope it is no one in the world could be more rooting for Tua than this podcast, because we loved this gentleman from the moment he came in at halftime for Jalen hurts, huge Tua fans. I want this news to be true. I just feel very skeptical about this. Like what, what prompted this? Because his doctor's visit was two weeks ago before he declared. So like, where did this come from? Is I guess where I'm. I think it'd be really hard to walk it back though and be like, oh, actually no, he's not gonna throw in April. Because well, if want... he doesn't throw in April, now it's, it's gonna be a big down. deal. That's what I'm saying. Like, I just wonder. Yeah, so I think it's got to be true. I think there's some facts behind it, and it's coming from his agent. So I think he has to throw in April, even if he's maybe not 100% ready. If he's still sitting around 75%, we're gonna have to see him throw that football. Or he's not going to be in play. I think the report said that he would be healthy in April. Like, they used the words, will be healthy in April. Yeah, it said healthy, yes. So Which is awesome. Gonna, yeah, four months recovery. Yeah, and I, I hope. I hope he went to the doctor in New York, and they were like, man, yeah, everything's good. There's blood flow, because that was the doctors we talked to. That's kind of what they said. It was like, well, if there's not blood flow, that's what you worry about. But you are right, Connor. Tua, if he is healthy... In April, and we'll know uh, because the combine rechecks are in early April. If he's healthy, this changes the NFL draft. And again, my whole, you can read my whole article this morning, Scouting Notebook and the BR app. But it is basically about the teams that have the ammo to get to number three. Because we've said it before, it will be Joe Burrow. It will be Chase Young. The draft starts at three. Bob Quinn should be smoking one of those LSU cigars right now, thinking about how many picks he's going to get, whether it's Miami sending five and 26 or, you know, the Colts who have some extra picks in round two, uh, whoever. I think there's going to be a bidding war to get to number three right now. Just like a couple years ago, the Colts had three, didn't need a quarterback. Well, actually, they did. They just didn't know it yet. And so they traded out. Oh, God. Imagine if they had just stayed pat, took Sam Darnold. The whole NFL is different right now. We all set right now. I, I think you're right, though. And it's like Detroit is a team that needs to trade down and they're looking for partners. So uh, I know that we mock draft and we don't do the trades. Maybe we will eventually, but I think that this Detroit pick is gone. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're already shopping it. They probably want to get their hands on a guy like Jeff Okuda or Derek Brown, and you can move down and get those guys. And I think Miami is definitely going to want to jump and, and do the trades. You don't want somebody like the chargers, the Panthers, jumping up in front of you with Detroit. So I think Detroit is moving that pick, and obviously it seems like Miami is going to be the spot that does it. This is one of those moves that you can really rebuild your roster with it. I mean, you look at the Tennessee Titans who are playing this weekend in championship weekend when they traded out of a top pick, yep. and they got a lot of players out of that deal. This is the kind of move where you can you can really get an army of picks there because Matt Stafford, I hope he's healthy. I mean, he's 31 years old. If he's healthy, you're not really worrying about the quarterback position right now. I know a lot of people have brought him up as, you know, can someone trade for him? Do the Lions consider it Tua? But I think right now, Stafford, who I think is a very good quarterback, they ride it out with him and try to rebuild the rest of this roster with a lot yeah, of picks. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of intrigue when it comes to the NFL draft this year. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we got our man, Kenny Willikus, Michigan State pass rusher. Welcome back to Stick to Football. We have one of the best pass rushers in the entire country, Michigan State senior, Kenny Willikus. And Kenny, let me be probably not the first to congratulate you, but let me congratulate you, man, on getting an invite to the Reese's Senior Bowl. We will be there as well and really looking forward to seeing you uh, against the best offensive linemen in the country. Yeah, thank you. Uh been an invite I was waiting for. You know, it's an opportunity I'm excited about to be able to go down there and uh, showcase my skills. So, uh, you know, it's something I'm really looking forward to, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. So I'll, I'll start off with asking you questions. And how much did you know about the Senior Bowl before this season? Was it something that was in the back of your mind maybe after your junior year? Or when did you kind of learn about the Senior Bowl and get excited about it? I didn't know too much about it until my teammate, Kari Willis, played in it last year. And uh, that's when I kind of became aware of it and uh, kind of saw how it all worked because I followed him and, uh, you know, saw how he did down there. And I was watched the game and uh, paid attention to him. So that's when I kind of first became privy to the game. And then so I've been aware of it since then. 
Kenny, obviously there's a lot of talent down there, a lot of one-on-ones, a great time to, to showcase your ability, which we've seen over these last three years. But who is the best offensive tackle you faced in college football this year or even the last couple of years? Um, I don't know if he's a guy that gets a lot of recognition, honestly, but uh, I'd say Rashawn Slater from uh, Northwestern, number 70. Uh, he's always given me the most fits. Uh, his, I thought, felt he had the best pass set, and uh, you know he was able to recover quick. He had good feet and good hands, so you know I always felt like he was the toughest matchup to go against during my career. Now, Kenny, one thing that, uh, and I'll be I, I, like very transparent, we cover the draft very heavily here, and headed into the year, it seemed like in terms of draft conversations, like you were you were up there as one of the top guys, and you had your most productive season in terms of sacks, and it felt like the conversation dropped off a little bit. Is that something that you pay attention to, or? I mean, you had 10 sacks this year. You had 15 and a, and a half tackles for loss. You finished your career with 49 tackles for loss and 23 and a half sacks, but you're not getting the mention with some of the other pass rushers in this class. I mean, does that piss you off? Is that something you're motivated to go down to Alabama and, and prove everybody wrong? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I try not to buy into that too much, and uh, you know, I try to just do what I do, go out, work, and uh, you know, hopefully the results on the field speak for themselves. But uh, obviously coming into the season, I had a little more hype than I do now, and uh I had my best numbers. Um, I felt like there's a few areas in my game I could obviously improve, but you know when you don't uh, get the same attention that I was getting, and uh, my name slips in the you know draft process, draft order a little bit. You know, obviously I use that as a chip on my shoulder, but uh, it's not waters that I haven't been in before. Obviously, coming in as a walk-on is something I'm used to. Some people doubt me, something I'm used to. So it's a little more motivation and uh, fires me up to play in the Senior Bowl just a little bit more this week. So. You were talking about, I'm going to go back to something because I just pieced something together here. We do cover the draft, and we're already kind of looking ahead to next year. You broke your ankle against Oregon in the bowl game. Yes, sir. Was the tackle you were facing, was that Sewell, number 58? Yes, sir. And what do you think about him? Uh, I think he's a great tackle. I played him uh, as a freshman, and you could see that he had all the tools to be great. And then uh, I've followed him throughout this year, and you see that he just continued to build on his game and uh, improve his technique, and uh, he's one of the best tackles in the country. Kenny, now that you know school's behind you, you're obviously getting ready for the NFL draft. What's your day-to-day like right now as you prepare for not only the Senior Bowl, but the NFL Combine interviews and all that stuff leading up to the actual draft? I'm on a pretty strict uh, regimen right now. I'm actually waking up at 7.30, which isn't really that bad compared to sometimes they had us up for conditioning. But, you know, waking up at 7.30, going through a little bit of a morning routine, try to read something in the morning every morning when I wake up, uh, make breakfast, and uh, get to the gym by 9.30. And then uh, we usually go through some prehab, so warming up a little bit and, uh, you know, just talking about with my trainer, you know, talking about things in life, about becoming a pro, uh, you know, the more a little more of the mental aspect of the game of playing in the NFL and then, uh, you know, taking care of my business. And then we work out for two hours, 1045 to 1245. And I do some post rehab stuff. And then I've been off for the day for the most part after that, other than a pretty strict eating schedule. because I'm trying to add a little bit of weight. So, you know, I'm eating seven, eight times a day. But um, now I'm tra- uh, my position coach is flying in to get me ready for the senior bowl. So right after this, I'm going to go back to the gym and, uh, you know, work on some positions, work stuff with him. Now, I, I have so many things I could comment on. Also eating seven, eight times a day, not trying to gain weight here. Uh, just <laughs> It's just happening. But you said you read every morning. As the resident nerd on Stick to Football, what are you reading right now? Uh, I'm currently reading Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Have not read that one. I'm gonna add it to my no, list. I'm familiar though. with his work, his podcast. What else? What's Kenny Willickus do off the field away from football, though? Um, it's changed a little bit over the years. Growing up, I was a lot more wild. Uh, we lived on ten <laughs> acres. Uh, we would <laughs> ride snowmobiles, ride four wheelers, go snowmobiling. You know, pretty much climb trees. Pretty much see you can do the most dangerous thing and get away with it. So uh, obviously, as I play football now, I gotta be wary of getting myself hurt. Uh, so I don't do that off the field as much, but, you know, it's been a lot more focused as of recently, uh, a lot more sitting around the house than I would like, but spent a lot of time, you know, watching film, starting to read a little bit, uh, spent a lot of time working out, a lot of time hanging out with family. But, you know, when I am free and have some off time, I like to be outdoors. What's your drink of choice? During the day? Don't say water. <laughs> Party drink. Party drink? Uh, yeah. It's a vodka. Oh, okay. Good man. There we go. Red okay. Bull vodka. Now, Connor, you can ask a real question. <laughs> yeah, Kenny, one thing I did come across was on your Twitter, uh, you lived in an attic for two years. Was this during your time at Michigan State or before that? Uh, so it was 
2017 and 2018, I lived in the attic. It was actually uh, when I broke my leg, so I had to hop up three flights of stairs every day. But it was a uh, it was <laughs> I, awful. I liked it up there. It was kind of like my own little space. Uh, my own little room. I did have to kill a few bats up there, but other than that, it was pretty nice. <laughs> uh, so you are definitely going to ace your interviews at the combine and the senior bowl. I can't wait for that. Uh, what are you? What are you going to say to teams next week? Because you are going to have some interviews. It's like speed dating. So hopefully you're ready for that. But when when you talk to teams, I mean, they're going to ask you a lot of crazy stuff. But as far as scheme fit, you know, do you want to play DN? Do you want to stand up and rush the court? You mentioned you, you're putting on weight. Uh, what, you're probably like two sixty right now, two sixty five. So what are you? What are you going to say to teams about where you're at next year? Uh, I want to play uh, DN with my hand in the dirt. Uh, that's where I feel more com- most comfortable. Uh, obviously, I'm willing to do whatever. Uh, I can stand up. I can come off the edge. But uh, I feel like I play best with my hand in the dirt. It uh, keeps my leverage low. I feel like I play with really good leverage. And uh, so if they can keep my hand in the dirt, that would be ideal to me. Is there a team that I know you're going to be just super happy with whoever picks you, but is there a team that you were rooting for that you have a, you know, you're a fan of, or that you want to, you feel like you fit in that scheme that you want to get drafted by? Um, I've looked around a lot. Uh, I mean, a lot, honestly, a lot of places I'd be happy to go. I'd really be happy to go anywhere, but uh, I've been a big fan of the saints. Um, being able to work with a veteran guy like Cameron Jordan, I think would be something that I would like to do. Uh, I've also, the Broncos would be a place I'd like to go. Uh, Chicago Bears, their story defense, so those are probably top three, but really, honestly, anywhere. Obviously, playing in the Big Ten, you went against a lot of top-flight programs. I mean, you had a stretch this year where you get Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State in a row like that. Uh, Kenny, who do you think you know the most impressive guy in this draft class with you was that you played against throughout that stretch? Oh, yeah, they actually asked the same question on the combine form, so uh, I had I did think about it a little bit, and I'd have to say J.K. Dobbins. You know, I'm just I've just always been impressed uh, with how he runs the football. He's always been in, impossible to tackle. He's insanely hard to tackle. His balance and vision is insane to me, and then he just takes off. So you know, I've really been impressed with. I've always been impressed with him. I want to piggyback that. Who's the best quarterback you faced? Because you know the Big Ten, you don't we don't talk about quarterbacks a lot, but now you've seen you know Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, Trace McSorley. Like there's been some good quarterbacks up there. Who's the one that you're like? I'm glad I don't have to play him again. Uh, I'd probably be Justin Fields, um, or Shape or not Shea Patterson. I'm uh, Trace McSorley. Who you said <laughs> Trace McSorley was very elusive. Uh, he definitely a lot of times when I thought I had him in my grasp in the pocket, he would dip out on me and. Uh, avoid me a lot so he was definitely one of the more elusive ones to contain any guys that you just hated playing against because you thought they were maybe a shithead or shit talker just anybody that you didn't like going against maybe you had a little extra motivation to hit them um not too many uh indiana we got into with the indiana kids a little bit it was actually funny because uh i ran into their tackle down at big Ten media day and i was like oh yeah you were talking shit to me during the game but uh, <laughs> uh obviously probably michigan is that week uh, every time we play Michigan, it's always, it always gets chippy. We don't like them very much. They don't like us. So I'd say Michigan's probably the most hated rivalry for us. You mentioned, you know, you had a lot of years with, with Mark D'Antonio, and, you know, you're going to be moving on to a different staff for the first time in the while in the NFL. But what was that experience like, you know, being coached by him? Now, I know a lot of guys are closer maybe with their position coaches, but what was that time like with D'Antonio? That was Michigan great. State? Uh, you know, they always, you always hear that people say Michigan State is a family atmosphere, you know, and that was a – kind of the way it is uh you know as you go through college and you're maturing you go through the things in the first couple of years um I was a walk-on and uh, I was still had some growing up to do and coach D would take me up in his office you know sit me down and have an hour talk for me on a random Tuesday afternoon just about life and uh you know my faith and how things were going in my life and you know you don't see a lot of head coaches do that to a player and not not a, just a player in general, but I was just some random walk on, long haired walk on from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, you know, he'd take time out of his week to sit down and talk to me. And, uh, you know, that's the way the coaches all are. Uh, Coach Bulla came in and, uh, you know, he welcomed me in right away. I'm a really big fan of Coach Bulla. He helped me out a ton, taught me a ton. And, you know, it's just kind of a family atmosphere where they really care about the players there. Yeah, man, we are excited to see you in Mobile. Uh, we'll try to make our way to the field to say hey to you after practice. But good luck. Uh, go show the Detroit Lions what they need in a pass rusher. Uh, you and Trey Flowers will be a fun little team. So good luck, man. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing that chip on your shoulder down there. So ha- have fun with it, and uh, and best of luck to you. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. 
We are back. Thank you to Kenny Willekes. Thank you to Mello. And thank you to Connor. We are still here. Our top five for this week is way too early. But that's all right. That's how we like to do it at Sick Football. So our top five players for 2021, it would have been boring for us to all just list Trevor Lawrence and Jamar Chase. So you're actually going to get top 15 because we are drafting this thing. We have compiled our own big boards. And I'm actually, I'm going to let Connor pick because your team is in the AFC Championship game. My team is in the NFC Championship game. And Connor's a Jets fan. And the <laughs> Mets manager had to resign on Thursday. So... Yep. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was going to say, not only does my football team bring, uh, you know, no hope ever, but now my baseball team, the manager I wanted so, them to hire, Buzz, you're up. had to step down. <laughs> so things are great because I get the first pick here, and it makes it so yeah. easy for me because I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence. So listen, I, I know a lot of people watch um, the college, the national title game, and we're like, you know, kind of complaining a little bit. Some people were overreacting Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is an amazing player. He should be the number one overall pick next year. He would be the number one overall pick this year over Joe Burrow. And he's just 20 years old. And I can't wait to watch him for one more year of college football and hopefully Mel, get that I'm gonna second let second because my so. team's going to win the Super Bowl this year. So uh, you don't even price. believe that. In which team are you talking about? <laughs> uh, are the Patriots still in it? No, <laughs> okay. I'm a Tom Brady fan. <laughs> They're out. I'll go next. I'm fine with that. I'm going to take the big left tackle out of Oregon. Now, I really like Sewell. You already heard our guy Willikus talk about him. Uh, I haven't seen a tackle his size be able to move like that. In a long time. I, I'm really excited to evaluate him more and not just watch him play on Saturdays uh, when he is draft eligible. And as soon as we're done with this draft, I'm definitely going to dig into him. He'll be one of the first guys that I watch. Very excited to see how he plays. Yeah, I am too. I, I love both these guys. They were the top two on my board. Uh, we're doing the snake order, I hope, because I'm putting my two picks in. But you guys know I love the receiver position. I was a really bad one, and and now it's my favorite thing to evaluate. So I'm going to take Jamar Chase, and I'm going to take Justin uh, Justin Ross here. I must have Justin Fields. I'm going to take Justin Ross from Clemson. So Jamar Chase, you saw him go off the national championship game. I know he's listed at like 6'1", 200 pounds. I'm calling bullshit on that because he is yoked up. The dude is thick. He is powerful. What he does as a route runner, what he does yards after the catch is really, really special. Now, I don't know what his numbers will look like next year with uh, our, our guy back there, uh, Brennan, at quarterback, but I love Jamar Chase. And then Justin Ross, I do feel like a little bit has been overlooked, and they really featured T Higgins more because Derek Singley Jr. erased that side of the field. So Justin Ross wasn't able uh, to have much production in that game. But remember a year ago, what he did against Alabama and that defense, Justin Ross is still a very special player. We're just not talking about him a lot right now because of the, some of the other superstars. Yeah, I agree totally. And I'm actually going to go to the defensive side of the ball with Micah Parsons. And I will say, disclaimer, there's a lot of stuff going on at Penn State. So this is subject to change. But what I've seen on the field of Micah Parsons has been very special. I think he was one of the best linebackers in the entire nation this year as a true sophomore. So next year, evaluating him as a junior, I do think he's a guy that's going to come out a big thumper at linebacker that can also drop back and cover. You don't get those a whole lot. Even with Isaiah Simmons, I think there's still questions with what scheme do you play him in? How do you play him? You don't get those with Micah Parsons. He's going to be able to play 4-3 middle linebacker, 3-4 middle linebacker. doesn't matter. Just put him in the middle of the field, and he'll make plays. I'm getting jealous here sitting and watching Matt just take all the great wide receivers off the board. So I'm going to get in on the action here and, and go with Jalen Waddle. Yes. I think Waddle, you know, maybe the target share hasn't been there at times for him because they are so ridiculously loaded when you look at Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith. But I think when you look at Waddle, just that acceleration at times is so rare. And now him and Smith as a wide receiver tandem, in a way, it's really good Smith's going back because Waddle won't always be, you know, double team nonstop. Not all the attention will always be on him. So I'm excited to watch him next year. And I'll just keep the fun going with the skill players right now because I'm going to go with Chuba Hubbard here. And, and I think Chuba would have had a really interesting draft process because, you know, he was a younger guy, redshirt sophomore that could have came out uh, track speed, legitimate track speed. And I wonder how – 
you know, how high he would have been able to climb. But I think next year, when you look at Hubbard, the Heisman conversation is going to be around him. And as long as Oklahoma State can win a lot of football games, and I hope they do so he gets the attention he deserves, Hubbard might be that first-round running back. Yeah, I definitely think he could, too. And there is a lot of hype around his name going into next year. I'll stick with the skill positions. I'm going with Rondale Moore, uh, the receiver out of Purdue, if you're not familiar. I really like his game and the versatility that he brings. Is he big? No, but I think he's thicker than guys like Henry Ruggs. I mean, he really is built like Tyreek Hill. He runs like Tyreek Hill. And if he is healthy going into next season, I think a lot of people are going to be very excited about him. You look at what he did as a freshman at Purdue. I mean, he set the world on fire. One of the best athletes I've seen in college football. Just find a way to get the ball in his hands. He's like a Percy Harvin type guy, Tyreek Hill. I think he's going to be a very good receiver prospect. Yeah, I, I mean, I like all this. Rondell Moore, I do worry because he's small and he's hurt. So is it like, is this another uh, Hollywood Brown? But he was still a first round pick. So even if it is that, that then it's not too bad. I'm a little surprised that this player made it back through to me, but I'll, I'll jump on here. Justin Fields at quarterback. And I want to put a huge disclaimer on this, that we've seen one season of him, and that the season was nearly perfect. Uh, in the Coswell playoffs, he took a step back through two picks in that game to Clemson. So I do want to see what he looks like next year. But I think headed into... The summer, the offseason, got to be pretty excited about Justin Fields. You know, what what he brings to the table, his size, his accuracy. You know, he brings a little bit to the table as a runner. So I like Justin Fields. I don't think there's a chance for him to pass Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion. But he is, I mean, I think he's cemented in at QB2. So I got Justin Fields there. Uh, up next, I'm going to go with Sean Wade. So two Buckeyes for me at corner. Sean Wade really thought he was going to come out this year and decided not to as a redshirt sophomore. But Ohio State has become corner you at least, if not DBU. So I think you can look at going back to, hell, you go back to you know Eli Apple and Gary Conley and those guys. I mean, it's just been Marshawn Lattimore. It's just been one corner after another. Every year they got a first rounder. This year it's Jeff Okuda, who's one of the best corners we've ever seen. Sean Wade's going to be a really good player next year. Yeah, and I'll stay with the corner position. I'll take my guy Patrick Sertan, the corner out of Alabama. He's a big physical corner. Uh, I think that he could fit into that Minka Fitzpatrick, maybe they play him a little bit at safety uh, going into next year. But I really like what I've seen so far in his first two years. Obviously, he has the pedigree uh, to play corner. He's at Alabama. He's been a starter for two years already. Next year will be his third year starting. Uh, I think that he is a, a guy that could challenge to be this number one corner in this class. You guys just took both the players <laughs> I wanted as I need someone on defense in my top five. So I'm just going to go full fantasy football here. <laughs> Quarterback Jamie Newman, he's going to Georgia. I think this will be a really good opportunity for him to showcase how talented he is. I mean, obviously playing at Wake Forest, there were highs and lows, but you just talk about traits. He's got them all, and I think he'll be able to take some huge jumps next year. I don't know if he'll find his name into the you know, the Justin Fields category, most definitely not the Trevor Lawrence category, but everybody's got to be watching Newman next year. And to round this out, this top five, someone that we talked about earlier on the show, because it's a little bit of a surprise he went back, would have been a top 50 pick this year, Najee Harris. Najee could do it all. He runs with power. He runs with speed. He's got good vision. And most importantly, he can catch the ball. We've seen him go up and high point the ball. We've seen him make things happen after the catch. He's great at the second level of the football field. I love Najee Harris to round yeah, out my top Najee five. Before Najee Harris decided he was going back to Alabama, I had him come to Steven Jackson. I was very excited about him, his like size that. and what he can do catching the ball, maybe even like an Arian Foster guy. Well, I really like yeah. Najee. Excited to see him hopefully next year at the Senior Bowl. Uh, my next guy, though, won't be at the Senior Bowl. I'm going with Amon Ross St. Brown. That is a mouthful. But the USC receiver, I think, is going to blow up next year. Uh, crowded receiver room this year with Pittman, with Vaughn. Uh, Pittman, at least, will be gone. I think that he's going to step up and be the number one receiver. Had 77 catches in that offense, getting Keaton Slovis going. I really think that St. Brown um, is going to be a guy that can explode and have a huge junior season at USC. I like it. Uh, it. We'll see what happens with. Uh, we're still waiting for their other receiver to declare. Vaughn's the skinny one. That's the skinny one. Like everyone knows exactly who that means. All right. Ending this thing, I'm going to go defense again. A player that I think a lot of people have forgotten about because we haven't seen him play in a year. That is Dylan Moses, linebacker at Alabama. Before the knee I injury, forgot him. <laughs> he would have been a top five or six player for the in this class for me. Like he's that good. We'll see where he is next year. But I love Dylan Moses. You you got us on you know talking about uh, linebackers and draft on draft. I just gave away that we recorded out of order. Oh well, but. 
I really, really like Dylan Moses. He's going to be up there with some of my favorite linebackers I've evaluated as long as he can get back to full health. So those are our top fives. Tweet at us at Stick to Football. Leave it your Apple podcast review if there's someone we missed or if you just want to argue with Connor because he gets the email when you leave a review. So five stars <laughs> for Connor's hair. All right, it is time for a little draft on draft. Let's jump right into it. Dirt Shingleberry. <laughs> Hell of a name. I know you say you play Isaiah Simmons on defense, but is there a specific coordinator or defensive scheme you guys think he would thrive under? I, I mean, I think, again, any. I think it's just where you put him in those schemes. Now, I don't know if you look at, at Robert Sala where you would put him a weak side linebacker, and I think that's probably going to be the most common answer. I don't necessarily want him in the middle of the field playing middle linebacker. I want him more weak side where he's a little more off ball and is able to be, in most defenses, your weak side guy is going to be your playmaker. I think he just fits that mold so well. That's why the Giants pick makes me nervous. With Gettleman there and the way that he likes to use his linebackers, Gettleman makes me nervous. Bringing in maybe that Patriots scheme and using him in different ways, I would like that, but I don't know what we're getting with the Giants. The team that I've been very intrigued by would be the Chargers at six. They probably don't need a linebacker, but we're just talking scheme. I think the Chargers are one team that would say, we're going to use him all kinds of different ways, just like they did Derwin James. They had him playing linebacker some. I think they are a team that would utilize Isaiah Simmons. They would put him at safety. They'd probably still play him at nickel corner like fucking Clemson's doing. So I think that they would actually take advantage of everything that he can do and use him like the weapon that he is. Yeah, I don't think – I haven't really seen a scheme – that's perfect for him because he could play so many different roles in just about every single scheme. But I kind of go to the point that you just brought up, Mello, where it's who do I want to see him play with is what it comes down to for me right now. And you look at you know, how the draft is stacked. Of course, Jacksonville will have some talent on the defensive side of the ball. Cleveland will have Miles Garrett back. I think the question for all of us is where does Isaiah Simmons go? Because The argument a lot of people make is, well, the value of the linebacker has gone down in the league, but the guy's just not a linebacker. But then you also wonder how many of these quarterbacks are going to climb up. And, of course, Chase Young is penciled into the top five. So I I think there's a lot of good landing spots for him in the top 12. Obviously, I I think still the Raiders have to think about maybe even moving up for him right now. I think he's that much of a perfect fit with them. And I'll throw one more out there. We didn't talk about this at the top of the show just because of timing, but Luke Keekley retired. The Carolina Panthers need someone in the middle of the field who can cover. I mean, they want to keep Shaq Thompson on the outside, and we'll see what kind of scheme Matt Rule brings in when he picks a defensive coordinator, but I think Carolina makes a lot of sense as well. Basically, if you can't find a fit for him in your defense, you need to change your defense. Brian Goodwin, in their prime, would you rather have Luke Keekley or Patrick Willis? And he told me not to be a biased Niners fan. I still would say Patrick Willis. <laughs> two-thirds vote i'm gonna say luke keekley uh in their prime and i do i get to assume that they're both healthy because i think when they're both healthy luke keekley was better i don't think so man i i thought pat willis was maybe the greatest linebacker i'd seen play not named ray lewis so I must be lower on Patrick Willis than everybody. i think you are because <laughs> like i do really like him but i would have him after keekley Maybe so, I watched too much Luke Keekley at Boston. College. Would you have Patrick Wills over like Bobby Wagner? Yeah. Okay. I'd probably like honestly have him right behind Ray Lewis. I really think Luke Keekley's up. You're there. right though. I, He's great. He, he was great. Like, I, I think they're both top five middle linebackers. And I know that people are gonna throw old linebackers at <laughs> Here me. We go. Like, oh, NFL Gary Carson. <laughs> but like, yeah, from the 2000s, yeah. we're looking at people that have played recently. I got to have him over both of them, over Brian Erlacher. I, I don't know other mm, linebackers. Man, off the top. I of think I'd have Erlacher ahead of both of them. Yeah. I, I, well, this I summer, I know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, this summer, let's just do a, a position list. Players that played okay. after the VHS and cassette era. That's what right. that's what goes on with this show now. Right. 90, 90 to 2020. Yeah. Right. That's, We're like a good radio that's station. That's what you get. All right. I didn't. Right. I wasn't around here in the 80s. I didn't watch football in the 80s. I'm not going to pretend. Mm-hmm. I barely did. I was alive for seven years. Exactly. Like, Six and a half. I've heard Lawrence Taylor was exceptional. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't fucking remember him playing, though. That's like Mike Singletary. I don't really remember Mike Singletary. I remember watching NFL films. Let's be honest. Joe right. Montana. Like, I remember him as a chief. I don't really I'm remember so, him you know, as a 49er. So you mean Joe Burrow? I don't get it. That's who I mean. He he kind of plays like Joe. I don't, yeah. I'm not making holy comments. All right, Chris. 
Chris, yeah, tweet it. Chris Martiska, if you were starting a new NFL franchise, would you, who would you rather have as your franchise quarterback? The one you had concerns about last year, Daniel Jones, or the one you have concerns about this year, Justin Herbert? Ooh. Give me Justin Herbert yeah. every day and twice on Sunday between those two. Because I still have Herbert graded in the top 32. I had Daniel Jones at like 56 overall. I mean, for a very long time, we thought Herbert was going to come out last year. And uh, I always had Herbert ahead of Jones. Uh, I yep. had a lot of questions with Jones. I do think that he played pretty well as a rookie, but I think I'd still roll the dice with Justin Herbert. The upside and the traits are just there. With Daniel Jones, I don't know if you're getting a guy that can go out and win you games or if he can just come in and manage games. I would go with Herbert. I, I just like his traits better, and I, I don't think either – you know, neither will go down as first-round quarterbacks for me. I'll have Herbert in the second round this year. I had Daniel Jones in the top 70 last year. So he was really inching towards even the third round there for me. But quarterbacks always move up. But just to give a direct answer to the question, I still, as an evaluator, like Justin Herbert better than I liked Daniel Jones. And, we, you know, a lot of time left to tell. Let me ask you guys this one. This might be more complicated because Haskins was the third quarterback drafted, but he was the second quarterback. I think on all of our boards it was the same. Would you rather have Justin Herbert or Dwayne Haskins? I'd rather have Haskins. I didn't like Haskins. Uh, I, I did not have him second. Uh, oh, yeah. I would rather have Herbert than Haskins. So I would too, actually. There you go. So, I don't know. I, just feel like I Haskins think Haskins, Haskins like quietly did wonder. some good things at the end of the year with his shit offense. Yeah. yeah well, and I'm basing it on pre Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I guess not on, not on what we know now. So it it does kind of make you like evaluate things a little bit differently when you're like, oh, it's well, a good game to play like because you look at things totally differently now than you did then. Yeah. All right. Next question from our guy, Mason Whitlock. If is there any way Tua goes number one instead of Joe Burrow? No, no. I don't think. No, strong and disagree. I love Mason. You think he could? Yeah. Did we think that? What? Two oh, years yes. ago, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, it's fair. That's overall. a good point. No. Didn't. But that was the Cleveland. Well, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, I caught myself. <laughs> so, I caught myself. Is it likely? No. Is it a possibility? You bet your ass. Well, I think you because it takes one team, the Bengals, who had Joe Mixon on their board. Yeah. If the Bengals don't take Joe Mixon, he might go undrafted. But they took him in the second round. So could I see a scenario where Tua goes first overall? Yeah, I could. I don't know if it'll happen. But I mean, a lot of guys had Tua. Ahead of Joe Burrow. And if it's not for the injury, I think a lot of guys still have Tua ahead of him, which means if the Bengals say, you know what, we like his hip. It looks fine. He's good. We went to the April workout. He's throwing the ball well. We're going to roll with the guy that Bengals will be at that workout. (laughs) They got three scouts. They might drive one of them. They they need to hold it in like Nashville so the Bengals can get hire. That's why they're going to draft. I mean, Joe Burrow is from two hours from where he's from Athens. It's two hours away. They've definitely evaluated him more than anyone. So I love it when picks like this happen, like when LeBron went to the Cavs or Joe Burrow going back to Ohio. Yeah. It just makes too much sense. And I like that homecoming. Right. And I hope it happens. It's from Baltimore. Going to the Redskins makes so much sense. So, I mean, anything, anything is possible. Justin Herbert could go first overall, except for the Bengals couldn't. They didn't fly to Oregon to watch him play. I I want to be clear. Oh, I sorry, didn't move Burrow over Tua until the injuries became a problem. Like, and I, so I, I love Joe Burrow, but I just I think you did. I need to travel back in time and thought people, including all of us at some point, maybe not this exact comp, but people thought Tua was the next coming of Drew Brees a year ago. I still have him pumped to Drew Brees. He, like, and I do. I agree. I still love Tua. His hip is healthy. The Can way I, that he throws with accuracy and touch all over the field. If you can get him in a good workout program and get him healthy, because he wasn't at Alabama, which obviously is a concern, but I think that arm strength is going to improve. I do think that he's a smart quarterback, and he did it for three years in the SEC. I still worry about Joe Burrow being a flash in the pan. I have him number two overall, Same. but I really worry about, was this a lot of you know Joe Brady, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the three receivers? Was it just the perfect storm of – a lot of pretty average guys working together, or was this one exceptional athlete and prospect? I so I will say this about two. We could spend an hour on this very conversation. I had Burrow above Tua before Tua's hip injury. I will always be concerned about the fact that Tua has had two ankle injuries and now a hip injury. So with Burrow, you worry about is he a flash in the pan? With Tua, you worry about is he injury? I agree he, with that. You know, guys in college who get hurt often, guess what? They get hurt often in the NFL. So I think there are legitimate concerns about both guys. 
But for me, my concerns about Burrow are less because you at least know he's going to be out there. If I'm making the pick as the Bengals, I'm going to take Joe Burrow because I think with Burrow, you get at minimum Andy Dalton for another five years. With Tua, you might not get anything. You might get Marcus Mariota. Sam Bradford. So if I'm, yeah, exactly. If I'm picking, I would take Burrow, but. Is there a situation where Tua goes number one? Yeah, I do think there is. Last question, and this is a short one for me. Patrick Chamberlain, what's the best football movie not named The Program? So for me, I'm going with Remember the Titans. That's a good answer. I don't know if that – I thought it was a very obvious answer. Apparently it's not. Connor? Uh, Friday Night Lights. I I love Remember the Titans, but and it's a great story, but I think Friday Night Lights is more of a football movie. So what I love, spoiler alert here, if you haven't seen these two movies, I absolutely love that at the end of Friday Night Lights, they fucking lost. Exactly. I've, oh, right. Like yeah. other movies, are, oh, it's a feel-good, great story. Let's change the ending where they win. Nope, they lost, and they lost in the movie. So at the end, I was like, hell yeah, this is accurate. I'm on board with it. So Friday Night Lights would probably be like third for me. I hate Remember the Titans because that's not the true story. They changed it to be more Disney. So that really That's my me. argument. Yeah. Here's mine, and you guys, this is the last thing we're going to say on the show. Draft day. I'm just fucking with you guys. I love it. I love it. Someone tweeted given, that at us, and no. I meant to write back to them. Like, Delete your account. I respect how confidently you just put this out to the public that you liked right. draft day. Right. Like, as three draft nerds, we don't like that I had such high hopes for It's that the movie. worst movie of all time. So my real answer is any given Sunday because the end of that spoiler alert, spoiler alert, when he walks to the podium, he's like, I'm going to be the new head coach in Arizona. And I'm just signed Willie Beeman as my franchise quarterback. Mike fucking dropped by Al Pacino. Great. Great. Is Jerry Maguire a football movie? Oh, man. I think so. I think so. I don't like it could go both ways. Yeah. It wouldn't be number. It wouldn't be number two for me. I just want to ask the question. Yeah, I do love Jerry. I really don't like Renee Zellweger. But Rod Tidwell, what a freaking So hero. good. Yeah, I right. think we can classify a yeah. football movie. All right, that is it. That is our show. Come see us in Mobile, fucking Alabama, Monday night at 7.30, Wednesday night at 7.30, Tuesday night at some bar when we're done eating, handing out stick to football hats. It's going to be a good time. Thanks to Kenny Willickus. Wait, man, we're two for two on getting uh, pass rushers from the Michigan area on Stick to Football. Who will it be next year? White pass rushers. Right? We, we, <laughs> we love it. All right, that is our show. And uh, go Chiefs, go Niners. We'll see you guys real soon.